Hey guys, PK here. Once again, thank you for being with me every single week. I super, super appreciate your time. Let's not do any fluff. Let's get straight into it. So another Q&A uh, episode. We'll be covering two questions today. Really common, really popular questions I'm getting asked so much. The first question is, what happens to the Australian property market when there is a war? In other words, this Russia Ukraine conflict. Of course, there's no winners in war, but does Australia property win? Does it lose? How does it impact our economy and inflation and interest rates? Okay, so we'll be talking about concepts like stagflation. We'll be talking about it as a risk-off event. We'll be talking about um, the impact on commodity prices and ultimately Australian property prices. Okay, so that's the first question. And the second question I'm getting asked so much these days is, why is housing in Australia so expensive? You know, like, how do we actually reduce house prices? What event would it take for house prices to actually fall? Because let's be realistic, they haven't really fallen in any great order of magnitude for decades. Okay, and the kicker, what the solution is, but why the government will never implement it, okay? So housing affordability has been a big issue in Australia for over 30 years, problems obviously only getting worse and worse. A lot of people say that it's because interest rates are too low. A lot of people say it's because immigration is too high historically. A lot of people say it's because of favorable tax treatments like to investors, negative gearing, capital gains tax discounts. You know, the answer is actually it's none of these, okay? So that's the second question. I hope you get a ton of value from the episode, guys. Real and raw, as always. Thanks for listening. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Okay, so question number one, what happens to the Australian property market due to the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Stick with me. So it's a complex topic, okay? I'm going to talk about two ways about how the property market will be impacted because of this Ukraine war, this Russian-Ukraine war. And I should just start off by saying that nothing I'm talking about is going to be from a social demographic perspective. I'm not qualified to talk about that, okay? Prayers go out to obviously everyone affected. I'll be talking specifically and exclusively from an economic perspective, putting my macroeconomic um, hat on. So what's happened, I think you all know, but what's happened is that for years and years, for the, over a decade, um, you know, post the breakup of the Soviet Union, Ukraine is the biggest state that detached itself from um, Russia post-1991, Gorbachev, Soviet USSR era ending. And NATO, especially the US, has been lobbying for a long time for Ukraine to be part of NATO so that, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, so that they can become a little bit better tactically and strategically placed alongside Russia 
to, you know, let's say be a bit more aggressive or be a bit more better defensive. Russia doesn't like that. It considers Ukraine as a really important um, strategic foothold. You know, it has lots of iron ore, lots of resources, and it basically wants Ukraine back. Okay, 2014, it took Crimea back to a large extent, and now you, Russia has finally invaded Ukraine. And from what it looks like is, for all intents and purposes, it wants to have it part of um, the Russian Federation again. So, you know, you know, huge sort of wars going on, obviously really bad. The economic impact. For me to explain the two biggest ways in which it will affect your property, my property, our Australian residential real estate market, I just need to paint a little bit of a picture, okay? So just bear with me. It's a bit of a complex topic. I'll try to explain it to the best of my ability. So the first thing I'll say is that in any crisis, economic projections, forecasts, balance always prevails. You know, and these days on Facebook, YouTube, media headlines, everyone wants to, you know, big up a recession or interest rates will rise too much, there'll be a recession, that's when I'm going to buy a property. Or they say, you know, interest rates are going to stay low forever, there's going to be property boom forever, or it's always a good time to buy a property anywhere you want with a blindfold. You know, really understand that balance prevails. The reality is not on the extremes, it's somewhere in the middle. So the curtain or the backdrop, no pun in, intended with Iron Curtain, but the curtain or the backdrop in which I want you to understand the two ways property will be affected is, here's the backdrop, okay? So the West can't, can't really do much or do too much to Russia because it's not invading a NATO country, number one. And number two is that it's over-reliance on gas, Okay. Now we may not feel it directly here in Australia, but I can tell you Western Europe or Central Europe, you know, without Russian Gazprom, gas pipelines, Nord Stream 1, you know, you know, you can't survive the winter without importing gas from Russia. If Russia decides to turn off its taps to Western Europe, which it has no incentive to do so because that's its key primary export. But if it that export is affected or supply is limited, then what happens? Prices go up, okay? When prices go up, that creates inflation, all right? Gas, energy costs are obviously a key component of CPI or inflation. So it's very interesting. Trump came out and said that Putin's move was actually very intelligent. Why did he say that? He's saying that because he knows that Putin knows that the West can't do anything. They kind of need the Russian Federation to, you know, to import energy from them, gas from them. So they kind of will shoot themselves in the foot if they're too aggressive versus Russia right now. Okay, that's kind of one aspect. Now, look, commodity prices, they're already high. Okay, oil, wheat, iron ore, all this stuff is already high. And oil constitutes about, oil and gas constitutes about 50% of the Russian economy and its exports into Western Europe. So it's, it's a huge proportion of the Russian Federation. And what's happening is right now, oil um, stocks are already low. Gas stocks are already low. Prices are already higher. And the key concern from the West, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, US, Western Europe, is that this crisis will increase the price of oil and gas further. Why is that bad? Because inflation will rise. Okay, And if wages aren't keeping up, then it's you and me, people who live in the West that think we're isolated from Russia and this conflict, but actually impacts us because 
our bills rise. And so therefore, there's not a huge sentiment, positive sentiment from Western democracies for their governments to do anything about it or to do too much about it, I should say. Because if you know, Russia is invaded by the US, I'm just taking a really exa extreme example, you know, energy costs are going to just flip through the roof. Okay, no one wants that. So Western governments are sort of handcuffed in their ability to do much about it. They don't have the public on their side to take a serious stance. Okay. And, you know, everyone's saying these sanctions, the sanctions may do something, but it's probably not going to be enough because remember, Russia can get most of what it needs through the back door through somewhere like China. Okay. So that's the backdrop that I, I needed you to understand to now tell you, tell you the two things in which or by which property prices in Australia will be impacted. Number one, stagflation. Okay, stagflation is a concept in macroeconomics where you've got inflation rising just, you know, really, really high beyond what we want it to. Therefore, it's harder for us to afford things if wages don't increase. And at the same time, unemployment is going up. Okay, so the real economy, jobs are down, unemployment is up, you know, wages aren't increasing, but inflation is increasing. That's called stagflation. Okay, and, and that's why there is not public sentiment for war. Because if inflation rises due to energy costs rising, but real wages aren't going anywhere, then we're all worse off. Okay, we're all worse off. What does this mean? In 1973, there was the, um, the oil crisis. That crisis created this exact phenomenon, the stagnation. And the really important thing to consider here is in a stagnation scenario, monetary policy is useless. Okay, if the economy is suffering, but inflation is going really high, you don't want to increase interest rates. Because those interest rates aren't going to bring back the cost of energy because that's due to a foreign environment. It's due to imports. It's due to global money markets, global commodity prices. Australia can't impact that. Okay, so by increasing local interest rates in Australia, that's not going to rein in inflation. But what it will do is it will further dampen, further destroy the economy. So in a, a stagnation scenario where you've got inflation running wild and the economy doing really poorly because people can't afford the things that they used to because wage growth isn't happening but inflation is high, by increasing interest rates, you're just destroying your economy and it's not actually fixing inflation because that's a foreign phenomenon. Okay, do you understand where I'm going with this? So. What is likely to happen or could happen is that Reserve Bank will push out or dilute its planned interest rate increases to make sure that it doesn't create a stagnation type scenario or that when a stagnation type scenario does come to Australia six months, 12 months, 18 months from now, you know, it hasn't sort of destroyed the economy leading up to it because it needs the economy to be very strong if this war you know, extends out, protracts out. I hope, I hope that makes sense. So the point number one, um, the way that this Russian war impacts Australian property prices is interest rates stay lower for longer or don't increase as fast or as high as they ought to or would have had it not been for the war. The second way that property prices are impacted in Australia is that this is a generally speaking a risk off event when investors you and me mums and dads you know we are globally I'm speaking here where you know positive about the future everything is stable we invest in things 
when we're not positive about the future, when we think that inflation is rising too much, our wages aren't increasing, unemployment is increasing, you know, all this kind of bad stuff, the economy is about to go into a recession. We don't invest in stuff. We take our money, we put it under the proverbial mattress. And what that means in real terms is that we buy gold, okay? We go to safe havens like gold, um, basically non-investment assets, okay? So we go, we go to things like that. Now, housing, real estate is very interesting because it's actually not an investment asset. The majority of houses, most places around the world, definitely in Australia, are not an investment asset. It's where you live, okay? And when people are in a risk-off event, they don't sell their house. That's the last thing they'd want to do. They need at least some stability, at least at home, okay? So they don't sell their house. What that means is that house prices don't, don't fall because if there's no supply prices can't fall. They can only go up, or even if they don't go up, they just go flat. So that's one thing to understand. You know, the stock market crashed. Um, I think different indices are different, but the highest one was 4% crash in the last 24 hours. The money is transferred to gold. It's transferred to fixed income. It's transferred to bonds, government bonds. It's transferred to cash, and it's transferred to residential real estate. These are safe assets, okay? You can see them, you can touch them. They have intrinsic value. Something like Bitcoin doesn't have any intrinsic value. Something like, um, you know, a share or a stock in a, in a company doesn't, you know, you can't really have, doesn't have substantial intrinsic value. It's speculative. At least this is what investors and people think in a risk-off event. Okay, so generally speaking, property is an asset class that people flock through, investors flock to globally and in Australia in a risk-off event. When something like this is happening, they're not sure how the world's going to be, there's uncertainty, they go to property. But the caveat to that is they do not go to commercial property because commercial property is linked, right? Commercial property is linked to trade, okay? And if trade is not occurring due to stagflation, Okay, because inflation is so high, but the economy is really bad, commercial property has hit the hardest. Okay, not residential property. So resi property, which is, you know, has substantial value, intrinsic value. Commercial property is based on the tenant, the commercial, the economics, the commerce side of things, which is poor because it's a poor economy. People go to residential. Okay, so these two reasons are why the property market. I feel, based on my macroeconomic analysis, is not going to be impacted. Of course, balance, you know, it's, it's not that it's not going to be impacted at all, nor is it going to boom all of a sudden further because interest rates aren't going to rise as much. Balance is the key word, but there is a, a floor under property prices because interest rates are going to be lower for longer and also property, residential real estate property is a safe haven. And, and the thing is, the economy may suffer a little bit, okay? The economy may suffer a little bit because energy prices, oil prices, gas prices increase, right? That causes inflation, but also oil is a key component of costs for business. And if that cost is increasing, businesses make less money, they invest less, therefore GDP doesn't rise. Therefore, we have a poorer economy. That's stagflation. In that environment, like I said in point number one, interest rates stay lower for longer, therefore putting a floor under property prices. And the second question is why is housing in Australia so expensive? How or what will it take for housing 
to become more affordable? What would it really take for prices to come down? And why is the government not doing this? Housing affordability sucks. Everyone knows about that. Everyone talks about in Australia, number one talked about topic. Everyone thinks, you know, because they're all experts, <laughs> we all think it's because of low interest rates. We all think it's because of high immigration. Historically, we all think it's because of favorable tax treatments. I'll argue it's none of those, giving data, and I'll tell you why it is, okay? And what we can do about it. And most importantly, how house prices will fare in the next five to 10 years based on this theory. You know, you've heard the barbecue talks, right? The reason housing affordability is so low, the reason house prices are so high, reason most of us are priced out of the market is because interest rates are really low. It's because there's capital gains tax discounts for those who sell their properties. It's because there's negative gearing, the ability to offset your income based on losses you make in your investment property. It's because of all these hundreds of thousands of <laughs> immigrants. <clears throat> all right. Let's just go through those one by one and I'll prove to you why none of those are the reasons. Okay, number one, interest rates. So Japan, for all our Japanese friends high out there, you guys know as well better than, than me, Japan has had basically zero interest rates, zero official cash rate for the last 20, 25 years. All right, and real estate has been one of the most underperforming assets in Japan. In fact, it's probably the worst investment you could make in Japan. Basically every other asset type outperforms that. Okay, and on the flip side, all right, Turkey, let's say last year, Turkey has interest rates of 17%. Okay, yet Turkey, their house prices went up 40% last year. Okay, so just because you have low interest rates doesn't mean house prices boom. And just because you have high interest rates or moving up, that doesn't mean house prices crash based on these global benchmarks. Let's go to the second argument of PK, you know, housing affordability is so low, we're all priced out because of favorable tax treatments. All right, so negative gearing and capital gains discounts. Ah, oh, you know, the Labour government came out and said we should abolish negative gearing. That's the reason no one can afford any houses in Australia. Well, let's have a look at that. Negative gearing and capital gains tax discounts are just the same in property as they are in the share market in Australia. It's not something that's specific to property. It's not like property investors have a leg up versus stock investors, share investors. It's the same tax rule. It's a tax rule. It's not a property rule. All right. And is the share market really expensive in Australia? Well, if tax outcomes mean that there is a bubble in the asset class it's associated with, then you would say the Australian share market versus global peers is going in a bubble. And it's not. Versus global indices, the Aussie, you know, based on multiples, P multiples, other things like that, the Aussie, um, you know, share market is pretty cheap. You know, it's certainly not the most expensive one in the world. All right, so you can't base it on favorable tax outcomes either. And the last one is immigration. Everyone says, look, immigrants, you know, they're the cause of all our social problems. Let's just have a look at that. So Texas, you know, in the US, it's a state. Texas has about a similar population as Australia, just under 30 million um, people. And it's had the same population growth as Australia as well. Okay. Uh, it's you know, grown at about one and a half percent per annum due to immigration into Texas. However, Texas property prices are about half of what Australian house prices are. So just because you have immigration, in other words, population growth due to not just births and deaths, but external factors, 
that in of itself doesn't constitute a housing bubble or low housing affordability. Okay, so that, those are just some examples. You can you know, Google this yourself. The data's out there. So what is the reason? I promised you I would share that in the video. What is the reason for our low affordability? You know, everyone talks about this. What's the real reason? The real reason is the cost to build. All three levels of government, federal, state, and councils, they tax the hell out of property. Okay, what do I mean by that? When a new property is built, that is built or that is coordinated by a property developer, residential property developer, normally on the fringes of a CBD or sorry, fringes of a city, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, um, Brisbane, for example, out west, out sound down south, up north, as is the case in Melbourne. That is where new properties are built. Now, all three levels of government, they apply in 110 different types of taxes, there's section 96 levies, there's stamp duty, there's GST, there is infrastructure levies, etc, etc, etc. In fact, almost 40 or 45% of the cost to build in Australia is just tax. Okay, it's just tax. So what do developers do? You know, those who are building these new houses on the fringes of the, sea, the cities, what do they do? They just bake that cost, that additional 40, 45% into the end sale value. So it's the consumer, the buyer, who has to pay for it. All right, and most of these new builds happen in fringe areas of cities, okay? And the case is, or the simple fact is, that developers don't build until it's economically feasible to build. So let's say it takes them $700,000, $800,000 to build one of these houses. You know, unless there's demand that can afford to pay $700,000, $800,000, they simply don't build. And what that creates is scarcity. Okay, that's what creates scarcity. If they could build all the way between, um, you know, Melbourne and Ballarat, all the way between Toowoomba and Brisbane, all the way between Sydney and, and Newcastle, then there wouldn't be this housing affordability crisis. But the fact is the taxes are too high, therefore it's cost prohibitive, doesn't make economic sense for them to build. The demand isn't there. Therefore, supply is constrained and prices are based on your marginal production. Okay, so the cheapest houses are on the fringes of the CBD. And if they are piled up, the prices are so high because of taxes, then all suburbs going in towards the CBD, they're just a reflection of that price. They're just using that price as a point of reference. So if the furthest out suburb is 700K, then the one in will be 750, the next one in will be 800, and then you get all the way to the lower North Shore in Sydney, you're paying 5 to 10 to $20 million, okay? But if they just made these fringe suburbs cheaper, all the others going in towards the CBD would also become cheaper. It's just relative. So American commentators like Harry Dent, I'm sure you love that guy, you know, they come out and say Australian housing is in a bubble, it's going to fall by 40%, it's going to crash. The analogy to sometimes use is that of a cigarette. You know, you go to Texas, you can buy a pack of cigarettes, not that I smoke, uh, for about $4.50. You try to buy a pack of cigarettes in Sydney, it costs almost $30. The cost of production is the same. The difference is tax. You know, Australian government, one thing they do well is they tax cigarettes, you know, through the roof. They want to discourage the use and production of cigarettes. That's the difference in price. Now, you can't say cigarettes are a bubble. It's just that they're tax heavily, and so therefore there's not that much supply, etc., etc. That's exactly what's happening in the housing market. 
the tax is so high for new builds, up to 40-50%, that scarcity of supply is created, and therefore the demand continues to rise, there's not enough supply, and therefore housing affordability becomes worse and worse and worse. Okay, so what's going to happen then in the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 15 years? The only way to solve this problem is to increase supply. But what incentive do either of those three layers of government have to actually reduce their revenue? If they're going to increase supply, that means they need to reduce tax. But that means that they need to reduce their revenue. Okay, so they could remove taxes and they could reduce the marginal cost to produce these fringe suburbs, these fringe houses. But that would be shooting themselves in the foot. And so no one's going to do that. Therefore, house prices are going to remain expensive. All right. The cost to build, furthermore, is just getting higher and higher and higher because of supply chain bottlenecks, because timber pricing, steel pricing, these things, commodity prices were already going up pre-COVID, pre-Ukraine-Russia war. Okay, so the very thing that is the panacea to housing affordability in Australia, the only thing that can resolve housing affordability is getting worse and worse and worse. All right. So what do you think? Is it a good time to buy houses? <laughs> if you have a long-term view, then yes, it's a huge social problem. The government should really do something about it, but they have no incentive to do so. All right. None whatsoever. Thanks for being with me, guys. I hope that was insightful. You know, it's the kind of stuff you don't really hear. And, you know, there's so many people talking about property, right? 25 million experts in Australia. But I think I'm pretty confident that these data-driven insights, real inferences, are a little bit unique. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me all the time. And I don't ask it often, although I've been asking it more and more often recently. <laughs> but, um, you know, share this episode. You know, there's everyone wants to know about what's going on in real estate in Australia. Share this episode. Friend, colleague you know, family member, the naysayers, the positive people, everyone in the middle, people who you think will get value, just share this episode. It would mean a ton to them, hopefully, and obviously mean a lot to me. I'll see you next week. Catch you later. Bye.